0: Hello, everybody. Welcome to the podcast. Uh, it is just me today, just talking to you guys about some some of the things I found in the sports world, probably all, everything there is to talk about in the sports world currently. Uh, but still think it'll be enjoyable, and I want to let you guys know that I have some good things cooking up for you guys. I think it has been a challenge to my creativity uh, to continue to think of content, uh, or interesting content at least, But I think I got some good things going soon. So um, thanks again for listening and uh, I hope you guys enjoy. He has a loving wife, a dead body, the three kneecaps, and he has a bird. Welcome to the podcast, He Has a Bird with Sean Shelton. Hello, service. Chris Eich. Welcome to the podcast, He Has a Bird. And there may be another episode of The Tiger King coming soon, potentially even this weekend. Jeff Lowe, uh, the, I was about to say the scumbag, but then that wouldn't narrow it down very much from that show. But Jeff Lowe, the former business partner of Joe Exotic, claimed that there will be another episode coming soon on a cameo to some woman cameo is like a it's not a social media app but it's a service app where you can pay celebrities in air quotes to do a shout out for you so god knows how much money those tiger king guys are uh, are making off that app i'm sure so many people are paying for it i would probably not but i would understand somebody who who would uh but yeah so it's Supposed to be a uh, episode coming out this weekend. Let's hope so. If there is, then Max and I would do another breakdown or review for you guys. If not, Max and I will pick another show, documentary, to review for next week, probably the end of next week on binge watching segment. I got to figure out how to say that name. I think that sounded okay. So let's hope for that. Fingers crossed. The world needs more distractions. Um, There's also a Bill Bill O'Brien update. Bill O'Brien is becoming a staple of this show, unfortunately for him. Um, A report came out that Bill O'Brien traded DeAndre Hopkins because he wanted a raise. DeAndre Hopkins was scheduled to make anywhere around 13 mil salary. Um, and he wanted to be up around the highest paid receivers, um, like a Julio or an Odell Beckham. And uh, I don't blame him. I would probably venture to give him the 5 to $7 million raise, which is the cost of a backup receiver for you, mm-hmm. then trade him for an expensive running back and then sign Randall Cobb for $9 million a year. So again, it doesn't really make sense. But for Bill O'Brien, there is some hope, I guess. Maybe he doesn't see it that way. But uh, David Johnson passed a preliminary physical for his wrist injury in 2017 that held him out. I think he dislocated his wrist. And he passed, but not with flying colors. It was like almost like the doctor said, yeah, it's good enough. There is limited range of motion in that wrist. But both athletes... Need to complete a physical before the trade can come become official, which in the current moment is not that easy to do. Um, and this needs to be done by the draft. If they do not complete physicals, because usually what happens is the team doctors of each respective team does the physical for the player being traded. So Arizona for DeAndre Hopkins and and Houston for um, David Johnson. If this doesn't this has to get done before the draft because then the picks wouldn't be swapped. The teams wouldn't be able to trade picks um, before the draft if the, if the trade hadn't become official. So there is some, a timeline on this trade and it could be to the point where it falls through, which if it does a fall through, how hilarious would that be? So DeAndre Hopkins is going back to a team with a head coach, compared him to Aaron Rod or Aaron uh, Hernandez allegedly. And also isn't thrilled about giving him the raise he wants. So I would just imagine, I would just want to be a fly on the wall for their first, the first time DeAndre Hopkins comes back to practice and sees uh, Bill O'Brien. What are you supposed to say? Just kidding for making one of the worst trades in recent NFL history. Uh, Let's talk about your extension. Let's talk about your raise. You know, I don't know. I don't know how you really handle it. And, You've already signed a receiver in Randall Cobb to try to replace if you will again air quotes but uh that would be a hilarious moment and just perfect for for Bill O'Brien and uh, I don't know DeAndre Hopkins deserves some money he deserves to be one of the highest paid receivers in the league and just give him the money it's it's not that difficult Anyways um This week on social media, the NFL released an all-decade team, which I thought was pretty cool. So from 2010 to 2009, they released the best players at respective positions. And I want to go through and kind of break those down by position and see see if I actually agree with it, because the first thing I looked at, naturally, is quarterbacks. And Tom Brady was on the unanimous, which obviously, right? Obviously but then the second quarterback was Aaron Rodgers. And I kind of paused for a second. I was like, you know, Aaron Rodgers is obviously supremely talented. Probably the most talented quarterback in our generation. But he was he the second most productive in this decade. And I think it's a little bit recently recency biased because From 2010 to 2014, 2015, Aaron Rodgers was the man. But as of lately, he's been above average. He hasn't been his elite self. So I started thinking, I was like, well, you know, it kind of caught me off guard. So I was thinking, "Who, who would be, who else would it be? Who, you know, who would be the alternative? And I started thinking like, Peyton Manning had a really good 2010 to 2015, but he retired in 2015. You can't be all decade if you missed half, this, half the decade. And then I was thinking, okay, Russell Wilson, well, you know, he's not the greatest regular season quarterback from a stats standpoint. They run the ball so much. And he joined the league in 2012, so, you know, probably not most fitting. Uh, ben Roethlisberger also won some Super Bowls, played well, but not, not to the caliber of Aaron Rodgers. And I was thinking, well, what about Drew Brees? Why not Drew Brees? So I wanted to compare the numbers a little bit. Aaron Rodgers from 2010 to 2019 averaged 3,814 yards passing, 30.1 touchdowns, and a QB rating, which Aaron Rodgers is famous for, right, having such high QB ratings. I think he's the NFL record and career QB rating. 103.5, which is superb. It's really, really good. The Packers and Aaron Rodgers won the Super Bowl in 2011. And he had MVPs in 2011 and 2014. So a really dominant three-year run. And in 2011, I think he finished with a 122.5 QB rating. And like 45 touchdowns and six picks or something ridiculous like that. He really... He really played really, really well. But 2015 to 2019, not so impressive. Well, compared to Drew Brees, Drew Brees, during that same time frame, that decade, he averaged 4,737 yards per season. Again, these are with injuries. Aaron Rodgers has been banged up a little bit, but so has Drew Brees in the last few years, including last year. Averaged 4,737 yards. Unbelievable. He also averaged 34.5 touchdowns and a QB rating of 103.8 higher than A.A. Ron Rodgers, who's Mr. QB rating. Now, Drew Brees, his Super Bowl was in 2010, but technically for the 2009 season. And he was Offensive Player of the Year in 2011 behind Aaron Rodgers, who was the MVP because both of them had spectacular seasons. But that was kind of like that was kind of that's the story of Aaron, or excuse me, that's the story of mm-hmm. Drew Brees. When he has spectacular seasons, other quarterbacks have more spectacular seasons. So in 2011, he won offensive player of the year. A Aaron Rodgers was MVP, had a phenomenal season. In 2013, Drew Brees had a very 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 good season. Well, Peyton Manning had a record-setting season. He threw for 50-plus touchdowns. Drew Brees also had a phenomenal season in 2018. Well, so did so did Patrick Mahomes, all MVPs. Aaron Rodgers' second MVP season was 2014, not that impressive stats. It's just he was the best that year. Nobody had that blow-up year. In fact, 2018, Drew Brees had a better year as a non-MVP than Aaron Rodgers had as 2014 as an MVP. But I think that's the story of Drew Brees' career. I think that's just the story of his career being overshadowed, overshadowed by these colossal figures in NFL history, Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, and probably Aaron Rodgers. But is Aaron Rodgers that much better? And I think the biggest difference is First of all, notoriety, the two MVPs in the decade help. But overall, Drew Brees' stats were better. The MVP in the decade obviously helps. That was a tiebreaker. But I think what Aaron Rodgers does is he does not throw picks. He doesn't throw picks. It's unbelievable. He had one season in an entire decade where he threw double-digit interceptions. 11 in 2010 every other season 686587624 that's unheard of if you compare that to Drew Brees Drew Brees has three such seasons of single digits and it's actually the last three i think Drew Brees is starting to play better where the same can't be said about AA Ron Drew Brees in 2010 threw for 22 picks 11 14 picks 12 19 picks led the NFL 13 12 picks 14 17 picks and so on and so forth so I think that's the biggest. So I ended up, after doing the research, I I agreed with the NFL's all-decade team. But it's crazy to think about that, although how successful Aaron Rodgers has been, that it, it's so front-decade loaded. And it, it'll be interesting to see how he finishes up his career because he really has taken a backseat now with the rise or the continual dominance of Tom Brady and now the rise of Patrick Mahomes. People don't talk about it. Aaron Rodgers like they used to Uh, and I'll continue to go through I want to next next episode or probably Thursday uh, we'll talk about running backs and see how it goes but it's an interesting list because it's obviously very very highly competitive I saw an article this week that made my butthole pucker up the title was four scenarios the Patriots could trade up and get to a could you imagine could you imagine them trading up to get Tua? Uh, the first two trades, I think, are very unrealistic. Uh, the scenarios that they drew up. They drew up a scenario where they trade up to the 17th overall pick to get to it. No way Tua is going to be there in the 17th pick. Not a chance. The, the second scenario is trading up to 10. Still don't think that means the dolphins and the chargers have to either trade out or pass which isn't going to happen and then you it starts to get interesting scenario 3 is them trading up to number 5 and listen to this deal that they that they hypothesized the patriots get the 5th overall pick which would probably be enough to get to a dolphins get the 23rd overall the and a third rounder another third rounder a fourth rounder, a future first rounder, and a future second rounder. Now, the Dolphins still have two first round picks in the 2020 draft, so this upcoming draft, and then basically they would keep the third just at 23 and not five. So if they're happy with with Ryan Fitzpatrick in the future or for the next, or at least foreseeable future, and then seeing what they have with that schlub Josh Rosen uh, which I doubt I, which I doubt but that's a lot of draft picks and if you're a Dolphins team that is completely trying to rebuild and which they have been over the course of the last season and just collect picks collect picks collect picks and you're moving from 5 to 23 and having a first round next year a second round next year and two third rounders and a fourth round of this year maybe maybe or they just use all that those trades to trade up back into the first round or whatever they want to do it gives them a lot of flexibility with the other draft picks that they have so it could be but i think if they're at five and Tua's is there you don't pass up on Tua because Tua is outside of a hip injury or some injuries he's a generational quarterback in the nfl i mean people he was that highly regarded in college and you just don't pass him up especially if it's my like miami it's a perfect scenario because he doesn't have to start immediately you can integrate him into your system before you put all the pressure on. Unlike the Bengals where Joe Burr is going to be thrown in immediately. Or the Chargers, maybe you start Tyrod. But Ryan Fitzpatrick played well last year. There's no pressure on the kid. So then the last scenario, them trading to number four overall, trading up with the with the Giants, or potentially even the Lions. Again, Lions, and, Lions are number three, former Bill Belichick assistant, Dolphins, former Bill Belichick assistant, head coaches. But this scenario is number four for the Giants. And it's the same exact draft. It's the same exact, or excuse me, same exact trade. And they hypothesize that the Giants, who have their franchise quarterback, they believe in, in Danny Dimes, would potentially do it because they have holes all over the place. The Giants do. All over the place. On both sides of the ball. And you're sitting there thinking, it's like, well, it's not that crazy. You know, if they think this highly about the guy, it's not that crazy. And it would explain their moves currently because Brian Hoyer is not the answer. And we all don't think Jared Stidham is the answer. I mean, Jared Stidham played so poorly at times last year that they put Brady back into the game in a blowout. I think it was against the Jets. He threw like two pick sixes. And it's like ah, but could you imagine? Bill Pe- Bill Belichick's master plan. Okay, Tom, choose. I'm just gonna go get this Tua guy, who uh, by the way is unbelievably talented. You know, people are saying that they're gonna tank for Trevor Lawrence. If they could get Tua, poof. I don't know. That would be. That would just be another indication of Bill Belichick is playing. Chess, while everybody else is playing checkers, and it it's crazy enough to work. The last thing I want to talk to you guys about is Dana White. He he was in the news. He's the president of the Ultimate Fighting Championship, the UFC. He was in the news recently, or he has been in the news because he refuses to stop fights. Uh, he's had a fight at the end of March where there was no spectators. It was only medical personnel, coaches, trainers, refs, staff, and the fighters. Uh, and it was, they have a deal with ESPN. It was still streamed over their network and he is planning to continue to do that. But he did that with the regulations of 50 people allowed to be in the room. Now things have gotten even tighter to not even 10 people would be allowed in the room. But he's very determined to not have to cancel a fight. He does. He has yet to, uh, lay off an employee. He refuses to do so. And. So he he has to be creative in ways where he can continue these fights. And his latest idea, which sounds like it's going to become a reality, is Dana White's actually going to purchase a private island to host fights. Right now, international fighters are, are not allowed to come into the United States. So he cannot have international fights or fights with international fighters. So his idea is to buy an island, create the infrastructure, create the medical infrastructure to test, make sure everybody that comes on the island is 100% healthy, have them fly in, buy private jet, have zero spectators, have the least amount of people there as humanly possible, and just stream it on ESPN and keep doing that until this pandemic starts to go away. Which I think is genius. I mean, it's the perfect fight to, or it's the perfect sports sport to keep going during this thing. I mean, you need a medical personnel, there. You need a ref. You need two fighters, probably the coaches and a film crew. You could do that. I mean, how many sports can you put on an event besides fighting? You know, boxing as well, where you need such a minimal amount of people. Golf would be another one. You know, Tiger Woods and Phil Mickelson are talking about doing a golfing tournament with Brady, Tom Brady, and Peyton Manning, which would be electric as well. I think some of these things will start to be figured out because people need to be entertained. People need to give, get morale back up. And you could say Dana White is just a greedy, money-hungry guy, which I'm sure he is. But he's also trying to provide an avenue of entertainment for a country or for a world that's kind of starving for it. So I applaud it, even if he is making money hand over fist. Like he said, he's not he hasn't laid off one employee, he doesn't plan to, and he's going to keep going. And we need more innovative thoughts like that, and sports are just in the world to keep the world running. So I applaud it, and I probably won't watch it, but I'm glad that people still have sports, and that's super important. And hopefully I'm this crazy world my that we're living in gets back to normal as soon as possible, but in the time being, running and ideas running, like Dana White or people like Dana White, stocking for me, wheel, or at least a plot. It. That's it for today. I hope you guys enjoyed and it Tomorrow, running, we'll Another down episode, of course, to spit out content for you guys are trying Scratching to. My skin, It'll be a new type of episode that we haven't had before, my heart. I think you guys will like it, but until then, stay safe. Bleeding and is part of the game. missing the fire Thank you for listening to the podcast. He has a bird with Sean Shelton. Sean is the record, best. The He's the superstar.